off to now? Well, we're talking demotions now, Chris. Not of people, but of things. I'm going to throw this one at you. Battle lines have been drawn. New dietary guidelines are roasting potatoes for not living up to expectations. Now, do you, Chris, consider potatoes a vegetable? I do. Yeah. So when you're wolfing down a plate of fries, you're reassuring yourself <laughs> no. that it's a, a nice big fat tick in the ledger of your five fruit and veg per day. Well, looking at my uh, gut currently, you would you would say yes to that, Rob. A guilty veg? A, a guilty veg. Exactly yeah. that. I eat an awful lot. Not exactly broccoli, are they? Absolutely not. Well, this willful self-deception may not be possible for much longer. Potatoes are... About to be- are at real risk, they are coming under attack and they might be reclassified no. and they, they might lose their veggie status, okay? <laughs> right. Now, Food and Wine reports that the US Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee is flirting with the idea of slotting potatoes into the grain category. As if they're flirting. In its updated 25... Listen to this. 2025 Dietary Guidelines in an attempt to promote more balanced nutritional profiles for Americans. I mean, what self-respecting American is going to go, oh, potatoes are grain. I better not eat potato tonight. <laughs> exactly. Hey, I, th- I, I thought I was packing on my four or five veg, and <laughs> now I found out potato, I completely filled my plate with like taters, and now I found out they're a grain. I can't have that. Where, As if they're going to do that. Where in America were we? I don't know. Go? Somewhere in the South. <laughs> Now, by eliminating potatoes as vegetables, it may lead people to consume more nutrient-dense, cruciferous options like broccoli. That's according to the U.S. Dietary no, no Guidelines. I mean, they're chance. not. This guy is not going, you know what? I'm going to get rid of me my potatoes. They're green. I'm going to fill my plate with broccoli, and that'll be that. No, he's, he's deep-frying potatoes, as he always does. Now, potato advocates... And apparently there are such people. There are many people out there who go into bat for potatoes. They disagree with the proposal. Representatives from the National Potato Council. You're pulling your cheek. I swear to God. (laughs) Representatives from the MPC and other pro-potato groups spoke before the... How many (laughs) pro-potato groups are there? I don't know. There's quite a few out there. There's a lot of people keen to see potatoes get a fair shake in this world. Uh, now, they spoke before the committee in September to defend the starchy carb. They came out to say uh, Cam Qualls insisted, MPC CEO, by the way, of the National Potato Council. Is that his full-time job? He surely no, got it's a probably, job. No, it's his side gig. I would imagine it's his side gig. Anyway, he said, potatoes are a vegetable and not a grain. Now, Qualls added that, unlike other starches, potatoes are rich in potassium and vitamins. A reclassification, he added, could confuse consumers and result in a, quote, chaotic outcome. I mean, that's hyperbole, one-on-one. Yeah, again, nothing, no one's going to care whether it's grain or veg. There's not going to be chaotic scenes in the supermarket if the potatoes are moved to the grain, essentially moved next Mm. to the the rice. No, it's just not going to happen. Now, you see, Harvard's Lillian Chung is basically gunning for potatoes. Um, Lillian has said, a potato is not a vegetable from a nutritional point of view. Potatoes behave like a refined carb. They increase your blood sugar. Um, Now, as it stands, potatoes are the most consumed vegetable in the United States. You will be unsurprised to learn. Deep fried. Tomatoes are in second place despite technically being a fruit. Now, I I really enjoyed this because rounding out the top five are basically the ingredients for a taco. (laughs) Right. Um, Romaine lettuce in at three, bell peppers in at four, and onions (laughs) in at five. Chuck them all in a pan. Yep. 
Where does the humble broccoli rank? You've got Tex-Mex. You've got to go iceberg lettuce, chilli peppers. You're still on taco ingredients here. Sweet corn, beans and sweet potato. That's just one giant burrito for your average American household. Where does broccoli have yeah. As for one of the greatest veggies of all time, broccoli, which I, I personally love, barely cracks the top 15. Shocking. Stephen's been in touch to say, guys, you crack me up. You make me look forward to my drive home. Get in, Stephen. Thanks for making a miserable day. Good. Those kind of messages we love to see. We love those kind of messages. That's, That's really what keeps us going. Yeah, exactly that. That is our fuel. In this <laughs> Otherwise, we run out of puff. My fuel is potatoes, which may well be demoted to grain in the coming days, weeks. I need you to join that group. I'm going to do some research. Save the humble potatoes. Yeah, no, I, I know. I who would be so vindictive as to go after it? And exactly, who's got the time and the wherewithal? There's more important things. You would think so. In this world. Mm. Yeah. But the most humiliating of all demotions happened back in 2006. That year, the former ninth planet in the solo, si- so- solo? solar system, Pluto, it, it did go solo. It got, it got demoted. It went from planet to a mere, quote, Kuiper belt object. I mean, talk about a fall from grace. <laughs> Uh, the man who was in large part responsible for that demotion, um, Caltech planetary scientist Mike Brown, who wrote the book How I Killed Pluto, explains. You know, it, it really was that uh, astronomers made a mistake back in 1930. And so in, in 2006, when, when Pluto got demoted, it was really fixing the solar system back to the way it probably should have been, uh, as opposed to... Um, doing something mean to Pluto. So it's, it's really not that we were, we were against Pluto or had, had, uh, had any big complaints about it, but it just never should have been classified with those eight big things. If you, if you look at the eight planets, the eight planets are the, the massive objects that dominate the solar system. They're all in essentially circular orbits in a single disk around the sun, and they have the, nobody kicks them around. Everything else in the solar system, the Pluto and Eris and the, the many other thousands of Kuiper Belt objects out in those uh, similar regions past Neptune, all of these objects have, have tilted orbits, have elliptical orbits. They, they get kicked around by the planets. They flit in and out of all these other planets. They're simply different sorts of objects. Never say you don't learn something on this show. Yeah, no, no, true. And Mike was actually talking there on the Talk of the Nation show. But um, actually, to add insult to injury for Pluto... Not only has it lost its planet status back in 2006, this other you know, object popped up that actually is bigger than Pluto <laughs> called Eris right. and, and actually has more claim to be a planet than, than Pluto does. So, you know, Pluto's had a tough... It's been a tough 20 years yeah, for Pluto. Um, let's talk about some saints. You'd think a sainthood is written in stone, wouldn't you, Chris? That you it's, would. it's etched into, you know, uh, time immemorial. Well, back in 1969 there were some saints that were controversially removed from the universal calendar. Now, the Catholic Church removed 93 saints. There was a genuine cull from the calendar. They revoked their feast days in 1969. Pope Paul VI came in and he revised the canon of saints. Basically, he he just came to the conclusion that there are some of these guys who are absolute chances who may or may not have even existed. I'm hating the first one on your list as well. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I hate to do this to you, but St. Christopher was one of the big casualties. Nonsense. Now, he was originally one of the most popular saints in Catholicism, but he lost his status. You know what? He was, he was bumped down to martyr, not saint. So the legend had it that he carried a child who grew increasingly heavy across a river. Now, why the heck you would carry a child across a river? 
Tyrell I mean, can swim. Needs to get to the other side. No, why would you wade into fast-flowing water carrying a baby? You needed to get to the other well, side. I'm Rob. sorry, that's just far too risky. That, that's not exactly something that, in my book, would earn you a sainthood. <laughs> the guy's he could if he slipped on a rock, boom, he's gone. The I child would, will never be seen again. Yeah, I'd admit it is a little bit. Careless. If that's the one thing you've done, I mean, it used to be that you could pretty much do anything and you'd have a, a claim to be a saint. It's like a Think like about a, now. It's like a knighthood in the UK. That's you can it. Anyway, there wasn't enough historical evidence that he even existed, <laughs> so Pope Paul VI dropped him. Um, saint Nicholas also went by the wayside. Obviously, the man who gave us uh, that uh, his, historical kind yes. of background to a certain yes. cheery fellow. Big man um, red. He was also known for his extreme generosity and only eating on Wednesdays and Fridays. Days, which is just to, not sensible at all. I need to adopt that. And then St. George. St. George, uh, remembered as a brave martyr, not a saint, often depicted as a hero slaying a dragon. And I think really the clue is in the fact that dra- dragons never existed either. <laughs> so it's highly unlikely that George ever walked yes. the face of the earth. So we can forgive Pope uh, Paul VI for mm. actually demoting. He was clear- clearing out the clutter. Yeah, cl- uh, calling out these charlatans, St. Christopher, St. Nicholas and St. George. Three of how many? Six, uh, 93. 93. That was a bad year for if you were a saint. <laughs> 1969. <laughs> Terrible year. The Off Script Podcast. The number of the day is five. 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 In five. Five. Now, Solo Rapani was not a fan of that sweeper, Rog. I absolutely blooming love it. It's my favourite. Right, it is that time where we do spin our wheel. Are we ready for this, Rog? Yeah. It's the longest spinning wheel in showbiz history. Put you back into it. Still going. Still going. History. Boom, it's history. It took us 19 seconds to get there. We've wasted time, Rog. It's history today. It is. And, well, that leads us on to this story. Uh, <laughs> because a rare thousand-year-old Viking sword has been found in near-perfect condition. The pictures of this sword are incredible. I've literally just seen it this afternoon. It's in, it's in amazing condition. Immaculate. It was found in a riverbed in Poland. Workers carrying out dredging work on the Whistler River uh, in the city. <laughs> now, I, I, I did Google how to pronounce this city <laughs> and I've you? forgotten how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say Rocklebeck. Oh, no, come right. on, any polls listening to us? W R O C L A W E K. I am so glad that's not me pronouncing that. Well, they found uh, this perfectly preserved sword after spotting an oblong metal object sticking out of the sediment. Uh, they handed the sword over to researchers and uh, the archaeologists x-rayed the weapon and dated it to predate 1950 uh, no, sorry, 950. Nine, 950 AD. That is remarkable. Old, old and I've seen pictures of this sword. It is quite something. Yeah. It's spectacular. And it's it's spectacular in both its condition and also actually what the sword was. So it has an inscription of the word here Good we go. Ulfbert. Not bad. Right. Which was, this was a particular type of sword. Ulfbert swords were fashioned during a process 
unknown to the Viking rivals. So it's a revolutionary high-tech blade at the time. And it's considered to be one of the greatest swords ever made. The Ulfbert swords were known for their strength, flexibility, and sharpness. So almost like a samurai. That's like the same qualities of a samurai. You blow my is, mind with this. This Europeans, exactly. This was revolutionary. This was ahead of its time. Ahead of its time. They were highly prized by Viking warriors. Only eight such swords are known to exist in Poland. And there's actually only 170 in the rest of Europe. So what? it's unbelievable. One thing that surprised me about this story, I didn't realise the Vikings, famously seafaring Scandinavians, yeah. they made it all the way to Poland. So clearly they were pretty good on yeah, the land too. Yeah, I mean, too. Poland on the map, Rog, it's not as if they travelled, circumnavigated the globe. No, no, not circumnavigated the globe. They've had to go across Germany, right? From oh. Scandinavia, a little bit of water, and then across Belgium yeah. and Germany no, to Poland. you don't even Poland. have to go. No. Do you not? No, come on, Oh, Rog. no, I always think Poland's no. down there. It's, it's up. At, it's yeah, okay, next door right, to yeah. Germany on the other side. Ah, She's okay. by the water. They, had to, they didn't have to cross any land. I've exposed uh, my uh, lack yeah, of geographical have. knowledge there. It's mathematical and geography <laughs> is the issue. Thank goodness you're on history today, <laughs> for goodness sake. So the Vikings made it to Poland, and they just left swords lying around. They left swords lying around, but not many of them. Only eight. Um, so here is your five things in five minutes. Have I got a five minute? No, there's no clock. Oh, there's no bed. We'll, we'll just watch the clock. All right, we'll just watch the clock. I was thinking that. You're panicking me. Right, five minutes starting from now. Okay, oh. the Vikings were never part of a unified group, contrary to popular belief. The Vikings did not recognise fellow Vikings. In fact, oh. quite obviously when you think about it, they probably didn't even call themselves Vikings. That's kind of a term we've bestowed on them. Or historically, it was an umbrella term to refer to Scandinavians who took part in overseas expeditions. During what you would call the Viking Age, the land that now makes up Denmark, Norway and Sweden, it was kind of a patchwork of chieftain-led tribes often fought against each other as well when they weren't busy wreaking havoc on foreign shores. Yeah, whereas when you were growing up, yeah. certainly in the UK, of course, York is Absolutely. a famous yeah. location for a lot of the ruins, yeah. you're very much taught at school, or at least my memory of it, is they came all down, yeah. they grouped together, did yeah. the Scandies, yeah. they came down on their Viking ships, exactly, and they just wanted to essentially root York and yeah. other Yorkshire cities. And it wasn't the case. Now, another misconception, the Vikings did not wear horned helmets. No. Forget almost every Viking warrior costume you've ever no. seen. There was probably some at the Sevens this year, they don't have, they didn't have horns. Um, it was more the uh, pugnacious Norsemen that had headgear, but they probably didn't have ho uh, horns on them. Um, more likely was that during the uh, during the time it was the um, this is a proper history lesson. It, no was the, it was the priests that would have had horned helmets for ceremonial pub, uh, purposes, but not the guys that were out. You're um, ruining my childhood. <laughs> you need to have words with my primary school teacher, Miss Clark. She was saying to have words with Miss Clark. She was selling me a dud. While, while we're on the subject of what was on the top of their heads, they were all blonde. Being blonde was very important to Which the Vikings. they were all blonde? That's a statement. If, uh, Rog, I'm not it, having that. Okay. Having Dubai that. Eye 103.8 presents an array of independent expert opinions and does not advise one particular view. Always seek independent legal advice, which considers your own personal circumstances. You cannot just throw out there that we're all blonde. According to the History Channel... <laughs> <laughs> To conform to the culture's beauty ideals, brunette Vikings, usually men, would use strong soap with a high lye content to bleach their hair. Really? Yep. In some regions, even their beards were lightened. It's likely that these treatments also helped Vikings with a problem far more prickly that would be head lice. So they would clean it with a really strong soap and that made their hair 
lighter in colour. Yeah. It's also yeah. true that they were buried with their boats. So there's a myth that I think everyone thinks. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. were buried with they their boats. That's fine. Boats okay. okay, fact number three. Vikings were known for their excellent hygiene. I did not know this. Between rowing boats and <clears throat> uh, fighting their enemies, yeah. Viking men had, uh, they, they must have exuded quite a smell. Well, no. Quite the opposite. Excavations of Viking sites turned up tweezers, razors, combs, <laughs> ear cleaners. It's like Harry, the guy that does your hair. <laughs> Big shout out to Harry. All made from an- animal bones and antlers. Um, Vikings also bathed at least once a week, much more frequently than other Europeans of the day. And then enjoy dips, of course, in their natural hot springs. So Vikings were clean. Clean folk. Clean, clean folk. Viking men spent most of their time farming. Yep. Uh, yeah, and uh, that's fact number four. And Viking men skied for fun. Did they really? I love that, yeah. So Scandinavians developed primitive skis at least 6,000 years ago. Um, though ancient Russians may have invented them a little bit earlier. By the Viking Age, Norsemen regarded skiing as an efficient way to get around and a popular form of recreation. They even worshipped a god of skiing, Uller. I love it, Roger. That is your Wikipedia dump. I'm loving it. Nick's seen the bar. He's raised it. Vikings even conquered Sicily, according to Nick, of course. We haven't verified this. That's why so many blonde Italians from the south. That is a great fact, Nick. That's the kind of facts I was looking for from you, for goodness sake. You've just said Viking men spent most of their time farming and then just moved on to the next one, Rog. Well, that's because I've run out of time. I, I knew we had another You've got another minutes. 30 seconds. All right, okay. Tell so, us why farming was a big thing. Farming was a big thing <laughs> for sustenance. <laughs> <laughs> but they planted both uh, crop and arable farming. Yes. So that, yeah, they, they the Vikings were raised goats, I mean, cows, bl- and pigs. You've blown my mind that they didn't hunt in packs. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. my image of Vikings coming down no. in their thousands. Individual tribes. Miss Clark, I'm having words with you. Nick, <laughs> that's a cracking start, though. That's why there's a lot of blonde Italians. I love so that, Nick. If he's to be believed, we've got to verify this. <laughs> I'm going to go and do that now, in fairness. Right, more from us in a couple of minutes. Not bad, that, Rog. Enjoyed Not bad, that. Yeah. Not bad at all, Vikings. Yeah, I've got to go and track down Miss Clark's number. <laughs> have words. Ruined my childhood, so you have. The Offscript Podcast. Off scripts, fact or fiction. We're going to ask you to decipher whether a story really happened or whether our army of staff writers made it up. <laughs> right. Now, last week we told you about the middle-aged man who sued his own parents after they threw out his mountainous DVD collection, the kind one keeps at the bottom of their shoe cupboard. Yeah, that one's 1600. Um, not that I know anything about keeping any collections at the bottom of any shoe cupboard. <laughs> and it turns out, it just gone. for context, it turns out that story was indeed true. Oh, Tanya, okay. if you're listening, check the bottom. Don't worry, she's not that. listening. Uh, anyway, right, for story number two, we head to Japan. Oh, a bit of, okay. bit of atmospheric music here, Rob. Right. I like it. So, we go to Fukuoka. Got to be careful there. Yeah. In the late 2000s, where a man, I want to call him Hitori, okay. began to grow suspicious that he was being burgled. Food was mysteriously disappearing from his fridge. Sorry to interrupt. Why do I feel like I'm in the Shire? Why do I feel like I'm in Lord of the no, Rings No, you're not. Right you're now? in Fukuoka. Okay, fine. Sorry. Okay, don't worry. <laughs> it's a bit Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Feels like I'm in the Shire. No, no, it is. It's traditional Japanese. Okay, fine. Right. right. Anyway, food was mysteriously disappearing from Hitori's fridge. So he decided, like any, you know, 
good good sort of homeowner <laughs> to set up a surveillance camera. A surveillance camera to catch whoever it was in the act. Right. Now one day while he was at work, his cameras picked up someone moving within the house, a stranger. Now I know what you're thinking. Japan, the ring. <laughs> Something paranormal was afoot. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that this is not a paranormal story. Determined to bring the perpetrator to justice, Hitori called the police. They conducted an exhaustive search of his property and eventually they made a shocking discovery, Chris. Sliding open the door of Hitori's shelf closet, they didn't find a DVD collection. What they did find was a woman, 60 years or so of age, curled up on the top shelf of his shoe cupboard. Now, the woman, I want to call the woman Fumi. I'm protecting the uh, (laughs) identity of these individuals. She'd been living in Hitori's closet for the best part of a year. She'd snuck in one day when finding the door open, clambered into his wardrobe, unrolled a mattress and set up shop. At the top of the closet? Yeah. How small is she? She would raid his fridge during the day. She would take showers and use his toilet while he was at work. It took him an entire year to twig that something was up. What? The police charged her with trespassing, but Hitori was forced to admit she'd been an excellent housemate. Now, is that fact or is that fiction? Uh, right. I mean, it's... I'm actually going to say it's fact. Okay. This is the kind of behaviour, not I was going to say that you'd expect, but uh, it's, it's so outlandish, it's probably fact. Okay. I mean, how tall was she? I mean, how big's the closet? <laughs> Because well, I, mean, it's, so I like, think it's one of those impressive Japanese walk-in closet type things. Have you seen a Japanese walk-in? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not familiar. No, I mean you know, Japanese you know, Because you know, when when you go to Japan, they have all these sort of sliding doors, don't I'm they? Well they love a sliding they door. They love a sliding door. So I'm just I'm assuming that this is some kind of inbuilt kind of real right. Just this isn't your pokey old closet that you find yeah, in your just typical. Just because they have sliding doors does not mean they have impressive, <laughs> well thought through wardrobes. Maybe not, um, but you know that's what that's for you to decipher whether this is fact so she's or whether this is fiction. One day. I mean, how often does this fella check his closet? I mean, that, that there's a bit of a red flag there. Because mm. surely if you're sliding to get your trouser out every morning, you're going to notice yeah. a little lady sleeping That's right. on yeah. the top shelf. Yeah. Plus, you know, she might snore. You'd hear her. She'd make noises. I mean, is this fact or fiction? I'm going to say fact. I mean, it's so outlandish. And because we do not have a staff of writers here at ARN, I'm going to say that you did not have enough time to make this up because you were watching so all wait, that are you, say- <laughs> are you saying that... All of these stories are going to be fact because I, you simply you're challenging my ability to make something up on the spot. No, I'm sure you'll throw in a, a red herring now and again, but you know what? I reckon Fumi and Hitori and this story about living in one's closet for a year is fact. Okay. Kyron said fact. Raphael said fact. Frank's fact. Mohammed's pointing out the uh, this story sounds like that of the Oscar-winning movie uh, Parasite, of course, which oh. was a Korean movie. I believe. So it must be fiction then. Gentsy, incidentally, has said fiction. Roger said fact. You've gone with fact. I can tell you it is 
fact. It is fact. It is. It's a real We story. go to NBCnews.com, May the 30th, 2008. A homeless woman who sneaked into a man's house and lived undetected in his closet for a year was arrested in Japan after he became suspicious when food mysteriously began disappearing. Police found the 58-year-old woman Thursday hiding in the top compartment of the man's closet what? and arrested her for trespassing. Police spokesman Hiroki Itakura from southern Kasuyu town said Friday. The resident of the home installed. Don't need the Rob. <laughs> well, that's fifteen what I'm, years old. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. So she was living. She found the home unlocked, and she decided, you know what? She was an opportunist. I'm going to take up residence. And he did say he legitimately said in court that she was a good housemate. Well, no, I, I, oh, yeah. I elaborated. That. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> so <laughs> I was trying to throw in a few. <laughs> right. Just trying to lead you down a garden path, but you refused to be led. That is incredible. And she literally did stay there a year. That's true. She basically stayed there a year. I mean, you'd think he'd, he'd be smelling a rat by the end of the first week. Absolutely. I wonder. I mean, that is freaky to think. When do you reckon you would realise that someone else was staying in your house? I think, by the, I think you'd realise that night, wouldn't you? <laughs> I'm wondering, though. I mean, OK, the food goes missing. Also, but... it would be really unnerving. Yeah. To <laughs> think, jeepers. I mean, the man lives alone. I don't... <laughs> Yeah, but she's quiet as a mouse. She's in the wardrobe. She's getting some kip. I mean, when he goes out for the day, does she pop into the living room? Does maybe that's when she... Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, maybe. But you wouldn't want to risk it too much. You might have forgotten something. Oh, it's actually quite sad. When you it is a bit. It is a bit. But there oh, it is. Lordy. Fact or fiction. So there's two facts. So, you know, I don't want to... You know how you sometimes go play roulette and there's nine reds in a row? Yeah, who knows? We who might knows? have nine facts in a row. Yeah, that's the second edition of Fact or Fiction. It two facts in a row. Great little story, that. And uh, thank you for sharing it. I do hope that lady is all and well. Well, that's uh, 16 years ago. She's so. in her 70s now. Hopefully yeah. she's moved on from the wardrobe. The Offscript Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please do go ahead and click subscribe. You can also check out our other podcasts, Time Capsule or The Big Interview. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. 